What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Top five week continues here. What do John Brown, Michael Gallup, Cortland Sutton, and DK Metcalf have in common? Guys, you can probably guess. What do they have in common, those four fellows? High average depth of targets? No, come on, man. What's the topic today? They were all drafted. All drafted in round 10 or later. Well, after round 10, not round 10 or later. They're actually all drafted in round 11. Round 11 was really good last year, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, full PPR, ADP. But after that, not so good. But yeah, those guys, John Brown, Michael Gallup, Cortland Sutton, DK Metcalf, Tyrell Williams also after round 10. So we've got our top five wide receivers after round 10. Welcome to the show. You're hearing this on Wednesday it's technically Tuesday, so I had a team named Tuesday. What did you think of Limp Biscuit Chenault? No. <laughs> ben, what did you think of Limp Biscuit Chenault? You always I thought, thought it was terrible. Like, <laughs> I thought it was absolutely just not, not like, even I, close to okay. What is the thing that like what is there a, an album from Limp Biscuit that sounds like Chenault? No, but LaVisca Le, like and Limp Biscuit don't sound alike. They sound and alike. Throwing Chenault on there at the end. They sound alike. I'm, I'm they tempted, both start with L. You got that part. I'm tempted to do a Twitter poll. Do Limp Biscuit and LaVisca sound alike? Yes, no. See results. <laughs> see what happens there. Um, all right. You know what? You each gave me uh, five of them. So that was cool. We have 15 players to talk about today. Give me your favorite. Uh, Jamie, kick it off. Your favorite after round 10. Uh, I got to remember the ones I sent you because I liked a lot of the ones that Ben gave you. Okay, you sent well. me. Um, got it? Yes. The favorite one that I sent you, uh, Steve Sims. I like Steve Sims for Washington. I like the way he closed the year last year. I think he's going to play in the slot for Dwayne Haskins and, and be somebody that Scott Turner leans on, the offense coordinator for Washington. So. He's somebody that I look for with a late round pick in uh, mostly deeper leagues, but um, I don't have a problem with him if uh, if I need like a fifth or sixth receiver in PPR. Heath? It was really weird because I didn't send my list until the first 10 names had been submitted, and my top five highest ranked players after round 10 were all still available. So I like all these guys a lot, but Sterling Shepard will be mine. He was right around a 25% target share in the games that he was healthy last year. I think he has an excellent chance to be the Giants' number one wide receiver this season. And I like there was a dip in inefficiency last year. He had a rookie quarterback. Daniel Jones should be better as a passer this year. Where is he? Where is he going after round ten? Because I didn't see that on um, NFC. 
in the month of June, he is being drafted in round 11. That's crazy. That's just amazing value. Yeah, I, that's what I've been using too. NFC, if you just want to Google it, NFC, uh, you know, fantasy football ADP, and you can change the date range. So yeah, I'm just using June 1st on, and I'll just keep using that. Or maybe as we get, you know, maybe I'll do like July 1st to July 15th or something once we get into deeper into July. But yeah, that's what I've been using. In fact, I'm going to submit that right now. Uh, get the ADP. Okay, uh, so Sterling Shepard for Heath, Stephen Sims, and Ben, you are now required to stay in the NFC East. Do you have an NFC East guy? You do, actually. And and he must have initials SS. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be tougher. What do you got, Ben? <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> so I, I wrote, yeah, I wrote you a list yesterday, and I wrote the top five in my ranks, and then other ones that I really liked at cost. I, I think if you say your favorite, for me, it's LaVisca Chenault, who you led with. Um and Heath, you said none of none of the, the guys overlapped. He did overlap for us, or I oh, okay. threw him in as an honorable mention, and and Alan Lazard, I believe. Uh, I was just Chen- talking about your top five. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the next five I had ranked. Chanel goes a lot later, but I think Chanel has a really great opportunity to be the Jags number two, and I don't think people really rec- really recognize it. Um, it's kind of similar to the running back position we talked about recently. How many running backs are drafted in the top two rounds this year? So many more than than several other years. Same thing happened with wide receiver this year. There was a lot of skill position players that went high in the draft. So I, I think Chenault's getting forgotten about because in rookie drafts, he he started to go mid to late second round. But in prior years, that would be like a third or a fourth round receiver. This is a guy who went relatively high in the in the second round. I think it was like 10 or 12 picks into the second round. Um, but he was like the sixth or seventh receiver off the board. So it's a little bit of like there's a little bit of a muted, muted uh, enthusiasm about him. But he was very good at Colorado, used a lot of different ways, used in the backfield in a wildcat, racked up a bunch of rushing touchdowns, as well as not just making a lot of plays near the line of scrimmage, but also downfield. But what I really love, uh, besides Gardner Minshew, who's the man, is uh, D.D. Westbrook is now going to be 27 in November, which might shock you because he came in as a 24-year-old rookie, and he has not yet hit 750 yards as a former fourth-round pick pretty comfortably can say that guy is not going to be a star at any point in his career. Chris Conley throughout most of his first stint with Kansas city, his first contract was a player who would at times play tons of snaps, but not draw a lot of targets. And even last year when he had his best year to date, he played all 16 games. He only had 90 total targets. He's not really a guy who gets open a ton and draws a ton of targets. I just don't think his competition between Westbrook and Conley for that number two role is going to stop him at all if he is as good as I think he is. Okay, what what the hell is so funny, Heath? Spectacular <laughs> breakdown of one of my top five guys. Do you know what top five means? Like, how is one of your your favorite guy after round ten a guy that was not on your top five guys after round ten? I was tired there, last no night. Way, man. Man. There's I'm no doing... way you're taking Sammy Watkins over Lavisca Chanel. What's that? There's no way you're taking Sammy Watkins over Chanel. I have him ranked higher, but yeah, you're right. Oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> There's okay. no way I'm doing that. So Heath sent LaVisca Chenault in. Ben did not. Okay. That was, so you're I wrote I wrote the next five guys guy is on, on my, my list. list. But you my favorite guys. So I wrote these are all guys that I like at cost. And and Chenault you can get in a 14 team league, me and Towers took him, I don't even know, 15th round or something. And it was like almost felt too early still. You don't have to you can take him with your last pick. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So, by the way, if you had been clever and we had asked you for an NFC East wide receiver with the initials SS, you would have said Shashan Shaction, who is on your list, actually. Right? You do like, just not joked. It it been well. I like Deshaun Jackson, yeah. It should have been Sammy Satkins for Michael Harden. <laughs> uh, all right. So, we'll get into more probably right now, actually. Well, no, we have a couple of news items. And then we'll get back into the rest of the list. Sammy Satkins is pretty good. Yeah, that was better than Shoshan Shaction. Uh, okay, so anyway, uh, big news. Big, big news. CBS Sports, if you don't play on CBS Sports, you know, we got the commissioner product. You got to pay for it. Fantasy baseball. Not this year. It's free. So find out why CBS leagues are just flat out better than all other leagues. I've played on all of them. CBS leagues are the best. So you can get our commissioner product for free this year. It's the site that's built for serious fantasy baseball players um, and fantasy football for that matter. Uh, provides all the tools you need to run the league, like to run your league like the pros. Very customizable. Change the scoring however you want. Um, we've got to figure out exactly how we're running the league still, uh, you know, in terms of the ones I'm the commissioner of, but you can do so many different things. So check it out. Now's your chance to try it out. If you never, you know, wanted to do it before it's free this year, play some fantasy baseball, get on cbsports.com. Now you can watch us on YouTube. If you were watching us just now on YouTube, you would have seen Heath cracking up during the LaVisca Chenault answer and me trying to figure out why. Uh, and you can just go to youtube.com slash fantasy football today or check out our episode description. We have links to everything you need. You know, we have links to Twitch. We have links to Facebook. We have links to YouTube, uh, ways to follow us, our Twitter handles and time codes too. So if you're looking to skip around in the episode and find particular talking points to particular topics, I've got you covered in the time, time codes. All right. News and notes. Just a couple items here. Matt rule head coach of the Panthers was talking about Teddy Bridgewater saying that he could throw downfield more. And he's, you know, he's been a pretty conservative quarterback, especially last year. Uh, but they've got Robbie Anderson. They got Curtis Samuel. They got DJ Moore. So more downfield throws for Teddy Bridgewater, Jamie. You, you think that's in order? It just cracks me up when you hear these things. Like his, his job is to throw the ball. And now they're saying, well, he's going to throw the ball downfield. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, yes, let him throw the ball downfield. It may not be the best downfield thrower he may not be the best downfield thrower it may not be the prettiest uh deep ball that you're gonna see but um i hope so why would you bring in robbie anderson why would you have curtis samuel why would you uh just want to keep dj Moore in 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 uh in a box essentially um you got to open things up and so hopefully they let him do that okay and i talked about this on on the sunday night bonus pod and brought it up like wow what is it what is cam newton's contract tell you about what the nfl thinks of cam newton well we got a report today that New England was the only team to offer Cam Newton a contract. Does that change anything for you guys? Because you didn't really seem to care on the Sunday night show that, you know, it took until almost July. He gets a one-year deal. Wasn't a lot of interest around the league, it seems. Now you see this report that New England was the only team that offered Cam a contract. Does that matter, Ben? You were you were the most adamant that it did not seem to matter to you. At yeah, the time. It, it doesn't matter for me because I think New England's different. And I and I my hypothesis was New England had been in contact with him throughout. He was potentially holding out for, you know, a more lucrative offer. New England didn't have the money to offer that. And that offer never materialized. Doesn't really matter. I think what matters is we can pretty much read um, that, that New England was willing to make this move and, and take this chance. And, and probably that was 
like as Jamie pointed out, the timing of the announcement being right when they got hit with sanctions, it, this was probably in the works for some time. I, I would imagine any team that called his representation and said, we'd like to bring you in for a workout. If he had any contact with the Patriots already, he would said, we're waiting or no, or, you know, we're good. I mean, you don't know that that happened, but it wouldn't surprise me if it did. All right, let's get back to it. Let's get to our favorite wide receivers after round 10 in a 12-team league. So pick 121 and beyond. Heath, I'm going to I'm gonna lump in two wide receivers for you. Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate both made your list. Shepard going 134th. Golden Tate about 20 picks later. Um, I assume, yeah, you obviously like Shepard better. But talk about those two guys, Shepard and Tate. Yeah, I just think, and like Tate could easily be the best wide receiver for the Giants. That's why I've got both of them on the list. But one of those guys I'd expect to at least be at 22, 23% target share. I think the Giants would prefer to run the ball more this year, but I'm not sure that their defense or their quarterback will be good enough to do that. And then I don't mean that as a slight against Daniel Jones in that he's not going to be good for the passing game. It's just that he's probably going to turn the ball over a ton because he pretty much always has. Um, I do think there's a chance with Shepard, a guy that's generally been around eight, eight and a half yards per target. If he gets 120 targets, you're looking at a thousand yard wide receiver and he has a good chance to lead them in touchdowns as well. He's always had a high catch rate, so he should be pretty good in PPR. All of the things I'm saying could go for Golden Tate. I mostly just prefer Shepard because he's still in his prime and Tate's kind of moving towards the end of his career. Ben, you are going to be so impressed with me. I was all about the A dot this afternoon looking at Golden Tate. Do you see what's going on with Golden Tate's average depth of target? Much different than his Detroit days. He was usually around six, uh, six yards A dot with Detroit. It was like nine with the Giants. He had a career, he had a not a career low, but one of his lowest catch rates, but one of his highest yards per catch. So he was a very different wide receiver. And two years in a row now, so it really changed when he got traded to Philadelphia. He hasn't been a high catch guy anymore. I mean, if you if people are sitting there thinking about Golden Tate as a PPR stud, um, I don't know if he is that anymore. But he st- he still was on pace to have a really good year. But what do you make of that, Ben? The fact that he, he's changed. He's you know not as uh, he's running deeper routes. Uh, nine is still quite a bit below league average for a receiver, which is right around eleven. Um, so he's still not like a downfield threat, and so I. I to say that, you know, he's running some deeper routes is true, but also I, I'm more concerned that his efficiency dipped as much as it did. Like his catch rate fell below 60%. Um, and he still wasn't even at, at league average depth. Like that's kind of an issue. Uh, I, I just don't know if he even still has it anymore. He's going to be 32 in a month and, you know, he doesn't really have the size that, that, that or even necessarily the track record that I think um, ages you know, gracefully. So we'll see. I mean, I, I agree with Heath. He could, he could be a 20% target share guy, but I just, I, I don't know that he has it anymore. Okay. Yeah. It's just when you, when you look at his 16 game pace, it's almost a thousand yards and nine touchdowns last year. And if you remove week five, which was his first game of the year after suspension with a brand new quarterback, he was terrible. The 16 game pace is even better than a thousand yards. So he had a, he had a pretty solid year, Golden Tate, kind of quietly. He is the last Giants wide receiver off the board. Last question, I'll throw it to all of you. I'll let Jamie you start. Darius Slayton, hundredth overall. Sterling Shepard, hundred and thirtieth overall. 
I would take Shepard. I, I think the the thing with the Giants receivers and, and one other news item is there was video released uh, on Monday of Evan Ingram running. Uh, first time that I think any of the Giants reporters have seen him running, or any, I guess any of us have seen him running. So that's a good sign that he's going to be hopefully healthy from the Liz Frank injury. Um, and when you factor in Barkley, I mean, there, there are five pass catching options in this offense. So do you have the ability for any of these guys to be starting fantasy caliber players aside from Barkley and, and Ingram because of the positions that they play? Um, I think Slayton has the highest ceiling of this group just based on what his downfield ability could be and what his touchdown potential could be. But Shepard, in my opinion, has the highest floor. So, you know, I think if you're looking at it from what's the best route to play with the Giants receivers, you could say, okay, I'll take the last one, which would be Tate, who could put up good numbers. Uh, who's the better of the two between Slayton and, and, uh, and Shepard? And, you know, format could matter, uh, PPR versus non-PPR half. But um, if, if that's the difference, if it's, uh, you know, 40-plus picks, then I'd rather have Shepard. But I think the swing for the fences play is probably Slayton after what he showed us last year. Okay, Heath, uh, it was about 30 picks, I think it was. Yeah, I'm sorry, about, 30 about, picks. yeah, about 30 picks between Slayton and Shepard. Uh, I can't imagine you, you're taking Slayton there. I will take Shepard about 30 picks before I take Darius Slayton. <laughs> when Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram, whenever two of those guys were healthy last year, Darius Slayton had like a 10% target share. He needed two of those guys to be out, and then he had like a 30% target share and had some monster games. But he he didn't really get the football when they had even two guys healthy. They never had everybody healthy last year. But he was a productive I, I can't rookie. I imagine, though, if they if they're, have two receivers on the field, he's not one of the two. He's, he's the unique guy. I mean, the five players you name, Barkley, Ingram, Shepard, Tate, Slayton's going downfield, as Jamie said. So that's one thing you like about him. But, you know, if you want to just look at the games that I've given this stat before, the games that Daniel Jones and those three wide receivers all played, Slayton did have the worst stats. Shepard and Tate were pretty even. Um, so, But he was a rookie. He was yeah, a later round right. rookie. Right. And and now he's going to have, you know, not, not necessarily a whole offseason of work because of, of the weird offseason. But, um, you know, young players get better. And Gold Tate's one year older. You know, I, I don't think we should expect trends to be identical year over year in these types of situations. The thing that Slayton has going for him, and the way the I would probably also take Shepard at cost. But the argument I would make for him is what Jamie said that he's you know the the boom pick. If all of these targets are split pretty evenly, um, Slayton's the guy with the high A dot. And you know, it's funny you asked that question at the top of the show, and I said, what do they all have in common? Well, they all have downfield profiles. None of those guys got huge target shares because we're actually really pretty good at, at um, identifying players who will get high target shares. That's a, kind of a skill at the wide receiver position, and you don't really find guys late in drafts that get huge target shares. Maybe sometimes young breakouts like Terry McLaurin last year. Uh, but Cortland Sutton, I think, was just over 120. You mentioned John Brown. He was about 110, 115. DK Metcalf was right at 100 even targets. None of these guys were 130, 140 target guys that, that had good years. They were efficient because they had the downfield profile and they had the ability to put up big numbers if they were efficient because of that downfield profile. Slayton has that working for him if these targets are split where he could put up better stats because of that. I, I feel like Slayton is a poor man's Will Fuller. Okay. Hopefully not with the injury track record. <laughs> All right. Well, he missed two games. <laughs> so he's got that. Yeah, it's kind of funny. The Giants actually, 
their three wide receivers all had 83 to 85 targets. Of course, Slayton played 14 games, Tate played 11, and Shepard had 10. But it was funny how that worked out. All right, let's get a few more names here. Why don't we just run through Heath's list, especially since it's shorter now that Ben stole one of Heath's guys, LaVisca <laughs> Chenault. Um, Alan Lazard was someone you mentioned, Heath, someone you like after round 10. Trying to buck a trend here of Green Bay, their num- their second leading receiver three straight years has not had more than 660 yards. Is this the year we're going to get a second reliable option for the Packers? I hope so. I mean, I think part of the reason for that is they've had these stretches where one guy emerges and then kind of disappears. And Alan Lazard, like, yeah, he only had 500 yards, 477 yards. He didn't even play until week six last year. He clearly had the trust of Aaron Rodgers almost immediately. Rodgers was fed up with those other wide receivers. Um, listen, what they're trying to do in terms of running the football more may not work really well in terms of him getting a ton of targets, but there's some upside there in terms of with Jimmy Graham, not there. I don't know how many targets their tight ends are going to get. And I do think just giving him a full season of the type of production he was giving us last year makes him worth more than where he's being drafted. What do you guys haven't projected for? I haven't hit green Bay yet, but. I am a little bit concerned. You're talking about a, a, a and I love Lazard, and I, I think I've made that pretty obvious over the over the offseason for anyone who's been been listening all offseason. He was a guy who had a really good production profile, didn't really get an opportunity coming out of college. He was a UDFA. It's kind of like the Tyler Johnson of, of the 2020 uh, draft class. Um, but now that he's gotten into a role, which is typically the hardest part for a UDFA, you got to look back at that production profile he had at Iowa state and be really optimistic. Um, But my, my concern is you got to run heavy offense and you have a really target dominant number one. So what, where's the upside for him? You know, that's, that's tough. I've got him at 74, 904. Yeah. He is going, I don't know how much better than that he can do. I, I agree with that. He feels like a high floor option, but I don't know how much better he can do. Do you guys think that Devin Funches could outperform him? Like realistically, obviously he could, but if he scores a bunch of touchdowns, I, uh, I would be more encouraged if Jay Sternberger outperformed him. Well, of course, because yeah. because he's that a tight end. Yeah, give us another option at that position. Right, right. Yeah. Well, but we always say Funches is a tight end, so maybe we should just change True. change his eligibility. <laughs> that would help. Um, all right, two more. Well, do you want to talk about Chanel real quick, Heath? I think Ben said virtually everything that could be said. <laughs> How would would you sorry, rather man, have? Sorry. Would you rather have Chenault or Lazard or Tate? Um, I would rather have Lazard, but I would take Chenault over Tate. And the last one is Preston Williams, who yes was Chenault there at all for the nookie, right? Uh, you know, I was hey. like, I, I was trying to make like a. He's going to look at some rookie records and be like, "Give me something to break." True. That would have been that would have been great. Azer, I was just pulling this up real quick because I couldn't remember it. But Funches signed for a one a one year contract for two and a half million, only a million guaranteed. That's a pretty limited contract. So that's yeah, one no. Cut. Yeah, yeah, that's no good. Okay, uh, Preston Williams slightly better than Devontae Parker. Uh, well, was he? Fantasy points, I'm not sure because he had fewer um, touchdowns. No, you should have just stopped right there and not even been talking about last year. He they, just is slightly better than Devontae Parker. I don't know about that, but they, they had very similar stats in the eight games Williams played. 
Uh, he so, had more targets, well. more receptions, and more yards than Devontae Parker before he went down. I think Parker did have more touchdowns. He won more, yeah. Um, let, me, let me burst your bubble, though. With Ryan Fitzpatrick, Parker had more targets. Rosen seemed to really love Preston Williams. How many? What was the difference? <laughs> Pretty close, like five targets or something. Okay. So I just think that, like, we've seen Devontae oh, Parker perfect. fail for four seasons. <laughs> And Preston Williams came in as a rookie and was get, had more production than Parker before he got hurt. And all indications we have are that Preston Williams is on track to be ready for week one. And even if Devontae Parker and Ryan Fitzpatrick have some sort of friendship, we don't know how long that Fitzpatrick's going to be the starting quarterback. So if I have to choose between Devontae Parker at the end of round five, start of round six, and Preston Williams in round 12, that's a pretty easy choice. Jamie, thoughts on the Dolphins? I generally avoid Devontae Parker for a lot of the things he said. Uh, I, I think for the Dolphins receivers, you want to have Ryan Fitzpatrick start the majority of the season because he is going to not care about coverage. He's going to throw into tight windows. He's going to give receivers options to succeed. He's done that throughout his career. Um, uh, but he also tends to favor one guy. And we'll see if that's going to be the case, if it's still going to be Parker, who he has a good rapport with. Or Williams, who was, uh, you know, starting to build towards something before that ACL tear. And look, we still have to see that he's 100%. But if if it is, I want a piece of the Dolphins passing game uh, because they could be trailing because they may still struggle to run the balls. We saw last year, uh, even though the running back should be better. Um, I think Williams in in round 12 is is probably the better bet to try and, you know, see what you can get from that as opposed to maybe overpaying for Parker in round five. Yeah. And by the way, there's only three target difference in the five games that Ryan Fitzpatrick started uh, in bubble those not first. What's that? Bubble not burst, bubble. but slightly burst. Slightly burst. It was still Parker. Well, but like plus three. I, who knows how many snaps? Like there were games where Fitzpatrick and Rosen were playing half the game. That's there's, there's true. No I did it. I did not chart like every snap with it because sometimes both quarterbacks played certain games. So yeah, let's just call it even at there. <laughs> I just think Tua Tua is not going to help these guys win. They'll have good games, but I just don't think he's he's the best thing for their receiving potential. So everybody thinks Sterling Shepard is the best in this group. Shepard, Lazard, Tate, Preston Williams, and Chenault. Of the guys that we talked about, yes, uh, Ben had another guy that I like a lot, which is Anthony Miller. Um, again, I didn't know he's going that late uh, after round 10, but um, he's somebody that I draft a lot of just because I think the opportunities there. He, he played really well last year in the five games Taylor Gabriel was out. I don't think uh, Ted Ginn and um, Riley Ridley are going to necessarily be uh, uh, significant factors in taking things away from what Miller should hopefully do. So um, I would I would take Shepard first, but I, I Miller's right there for me. What's so funny now, Heath? Nothing. Oh, I tell you, like because Anthony Miller didn't even make Ben's final five. That's how that's, that's how many names. That's how many names. <laughs> well, I, I didn't ben know gave. like which list I could take guys from. You know, to not have the same, same guys. Are we going to talk about Ben's top five at all, or should we just talk about all of his honorable mentions? Because it seems like he likes. Them I mean, more. I I just cheat. Like I did not follow the rules at all. <laughs> you know what it was? Is Ben Ben felt left out from the running backs because Adam forgot to email him. So he's like, I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. I'm doing two for this after round ten. All right. All right. Cool. All right. So you know what? Ben's top five coming up next with uh, Brandon Ayuk, Nikhil Harry. And then some more veteran guys. Uh, pretty interesting that, list. That are not actually in his top five. <laughs> Who knows? Those are my top five highest rank. And I also did my top five favorites. Okay. All right. Well, we'll do the top five highest rank. The hell of a tease, Adam. Coming back some, yeah, guys. 
Some names. <laughs> no, these are all right. Yeah, five people. When we come back, we'll be right back on fantasy football today. <laughs> The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, Mel, Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty. Daddy! Hey, Mikey, if you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget just as soon as I... Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. All right, Brandon Ayuk is uh, first up on Ben's top 15 list here. Uh, or top five. What a- <laughs> Every late round receiver. Yeah, pretty much. All right, what do you uh, what do you like about Brandon Ayuk? I mean, he's very good after the catch in college and, and had some strong uh, return production uh, dating back to when he was in JUCO. And that fits... The, the San Francisco offense very well. And now Debo Samuel's dealing with, uh, you know, a Jones fracture. We don't know if he'll be ready for week one. And I think that would probably mean that Ayuk a- will have to play something similar to that Debo Samuel role right out of the gate. I already thought he was going to be a pretty significant part of this offense in Emmanuel Sanders' old role. Um, but I think there's some some chance that he comes out of the gate kind of firing in weeks one and two and has, you know, pretty big impact right away, like we saw from, you know, Terry McLaurin or, or Marquise Brown last year. Would you rather have Brandon Ayuk or Justin Jefferson, and how is it Ayuk? It's easily Ayuk. <laughs> I just, okay, just kidding. I, I mean, I, I like Jefferson a lot. I just don't know how he fits, and it's, I, I think the 49ers will probably add some passing this year. I'm not sure how, I mean, the, the Vikings might have to, too, just because of game script, but... um you know they're they're both lower lower volume offenses, but I just think Ayuk's a, a better fit, and they'll scheme him in ways that make it easier on him to get some stats. What is the most targets that a receiver has received since Kyle Shanahan's been in San Francisco? It's a Pierre Garcon stat. Oh, in San Francisco, it's I Kittle. Gotcha. I'm sure it's Kittle. Like no, a, a receiver. Yeah, um, uh, probably not much because there's been yeah. like pockets of guys. You know, yep. Pettis. Devo had. 81 last year. That was more than anybody had the year before. I'm, uh, I'm Marquise, Marquise Goodwin got 105. I would I would take Ayuk over Jefferson if you told me right now that Samuel is starting on the pup list. It's the unknown. Because if Samuel is ready for week one, you know, he said he's going to be back in 10 weeks. And clearly the Jones fracture is something you got to keep an eye on because of the recurrence of, of, of injury. But, um, you know, if he's the guy there for the majority of the season, then he, he should be in the mix for the best rookie receiver and a potential, you know, maybe borderline fantasy starter. 
But, you know, depending on how much Samuel plays, that's the key. The next two guys on Ben's list are Nikhil Harry and Mike Williams. And I think Harry is is interesting to compare to Mike Williams because Mike Williams, his rookie season, was actually worse than Harry's. He only had 95 yards, uh, no touchdowns. He had 23 targets in 10 games. He dealt with injury. It was a completely lost season. And then he had 10 touchdowns the following year, but he only had 66 targets. But it was, you know, 10 touchdowns. Then he had 1,000 yards in year three, Mike Williams. But before we get to Mike Williams, let's talk about Nikhil Harry, uh, who obviously was disappointing, but it's just a reminder not to give up on first-round pick rookie wide receivers, even if their first-year or second-year wide receivers, I guess, in this case, if their rookie season doesn't go that well. Yeah, and I think uh, he's a really good fit with Cam Newton. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday. Um, how Kelvin Benjamin had a huge rookie season and Devin Funches had a breakout season at as like an age 23 year old. I think it was his third year, but he was a very young rookie. Um, and they're similar outside big type receivers. Both those guys are a little, a little bigger bodied, but Nikhil Harry's a little thinner. He's more like an AJ green type or a Devonte Parker type. But I think it's an interesting fit, and I, I think part of the reason that works with Cam is he's willing to take um, shots in the in the red zone and and put balls high, and he has a high release point. And he'll throw these those kind of those lasers that are elevated, and and those big receivers can go up and get them. And I think I can just kind of see that fit really really nicely with Nikhil Harry. So I'm I'm starting to really come around now on Harry, who I already thought um, had had the potential for a bounce back, much like you said in, in the mold of Mike Williams. There's not much we can talk about with his rookie season, but. Um, he was a very good producer in college, was a, a worthwhile first-round pick, and the Patriots aren't going to give up on, on a guy that talented after one year. There's no way. Jamie and Heath, who would you rather have, Mike Williams or Nikhil Harry? At this point, I think um, if I needed a receiver, I would take Mike Williams. If I was just trying to play upside, I would take Nikhil Harry. But I would probably lean Harry either way. I yeah, um, like they're at the stage of my rankings where I'm not even sure my ranking of them matters. They're they're not in my top fifty. I, I'd probably I've got Williams ranked higher. I'll say Williams. Um, and I don't have anything against here. I just my whole thing, and I'm struggling with this with the Patriots offense. And I I know Ben had tweeted something about this. They're they've behaved during the draft in this offseason like a team that wants to really be a a power running defense team. And I don't think Julian Edelman's just going to like completely go away and cam threw it to his running backs plenty. I don't think James, like, I don't think they're changing the offense completely. So I just don't know how many targets are going to be there for Harry. And and I don't want to sound, I, I don't want to pick on this guy, but man, like Tyrod Taylor is such a bummer to me for fantasy purposes. It's just. The I guy that fits with the best is Mike Williams. Taylor had, you know, the, the best receivers to play with, uh, Taylor were, I mean, didn't Sammy Watkins have just, a really good year? That's with it. Taylor? Just him. Just Watkins. Yeah, he's literally never played with any other receivers. Like, here's well, what Robert, I don't. He played with you Robert name Woods. another player he, that he played with Robert Woods. Robert Woods. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Uh, like, he, like, for a couple he, games. he didn't have great receivers. The thing is, like, the Sammy Watkins comparison, you know, is interesting. But at the same time, isn't Tyrod Taylor, like, very conservative? Doesn't turn the ball over. Doesn't throw that much. The Bills ranked 31st or 32nd in the NFL in passing, pass attempts. But do you each think, of the like, three years he started? That's that's the thing that I struggle with with Taylor. Is like you think that was all t- Taylor? Well, they didn't. The, that, they that's didn't a, have, somebody's calling runs or passes. But they didn't have a great. Oh, a a big percentage of that's Taylor. 
They didn't have a great defense. They had a good defense. They, it's not mm-hmm. like now where they have one of the best. They had about a middle-of-the-pack scoring defense those three years. Uh, you're right. Like, the Bills, they had LeSean McCoy. Okay, he was basically a workhorse. Um, but but there's the a wild time, card with all this, though. It's Justin Herbert. I mean, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, we don't know if Mike Williams may thrive with Herbert, you know, just because of the, you know, young guy trying to give, an, give a big receiver an opportunity to make some contested catches. It could be the complete opposite, that he's going to shy away from that, those type of throws. And, and, and he also has an ability to run. So, I mean, you know, for, for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, you know, it just, it, it could, the season could be, you know, dramatically different, you know, depending on how many starts each guy makes. So it's so hard to say with all those guys and, and, and why, you know, Taylor's not ranked higher. I think we all would probably love to rank him higher with the hope that he's the starter for 16 games, but it would be, I think, at least for me, a downgrade for the receiving core. But um, I, I, you know, just in, in, in these two comparisons, even if, and I think he's right, they're going to be very run, run dominant, but I could see uh, Harry, um, you know, seven, eight touchdowns still, uh, you, you know, not, not much more than, than 50 plus catches because I do think the targets will be low, but uh, some big playability too. Okay. Yeah, I, I was surprised when I looked at this NFC ADP. Hunter Henry, 97th. So that's pretty low, so, I thought. And I, I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm sorry if that sounds like it's off topic, I, uh, but I just think that like Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, 56th, Hunter Henry, 97th, Mike Williams, 124th. Maybe just, you know, people are pretty down on And I'm guys. not drafting any of those guys, even on their down ADPs. I'm not drafting Keenan Allen anywhere. For these reasons uh, that, that Jamie just said and you just said. But, you were, but what about Mike Williams? He was on your list. You're not drafting. Mike Williams is the one charger <laughs> that I might end up with. I'm including Austin Eckler in that, who I love and who I had on a bunch of teams last year. And we've talked about him a lot. Uh, I'm just concerned about the pass volume. I, I, he's not going to catch 92 passes again. Nowhere close to it. And his efficiency has to drop a ton. But we can talk about Austin Eckler another day. Mike Williams is the one guy I'm considering. There's a couple reasons why. One, his 18.2 average depth of target was I think 2.5 yards higher than any other player that had at least 75 targets last year. He was a wholly downfield, chuck it up and pray type player. And he made a lot of plays. Um, He had over 20 yards per reception. He had over a thousand yards, even though he only caught 49 balls. That doesn't necessarily need heavy volume to, to translate. The weird thing is he only caught two touchdowns. You just noted he caught 10 touchdowns the year before on 43 receptions. We know he can catch some, some touchdowns. And he's so cheap. That's the main point. Uh, but but you guys are right about the volume. The Tyron Taylor thing I also want to throw in here is um, he not only uh, has a very high scramble rate, he has an extremely high sack rate. He tends to hold the ball and try to create plays in both of those elements. And basically a quarterback has three outcomes when they drop back to pass. Uh, either they run, they get sacked, or they throw a pass. And so Taylor winds up with a really low percentage of pass attempts per drop back. So, like he said, yes, yeah, some of it is play calling. They didn't, they didn't call a lot of uh, pass plays when he was with Greg Roman, but some of it is also just Taylor. When he drops back to pass, he's more likely than most any other quarterback to do one of those other two things, either take off and run or get sacked, than throw a pass. Um, he's not more likely to do that than throw a pass, but more likely than other quarterbacks will be. Uh, but, yeah, Williams is the one guy I think could pair with him. He's the one guy that's cheap enough that I think could have some touchdown luck bounce back, doesn't need 100 targets at his massive – downfield uh, depth and I think that pairs well with Taylor's ability to create time and and again the, the sack rate indicates it but there's going to be times where he doesn't get brought down and then who's he going to look for he's going to look downfield I think some of those big plays could definitely be there for Williams and I think he's just like 
like he said, he's outside his top 50 receivers. I have him at like 45 still, but you could draft this guy again. Another guy you can draft in the last round. Well, I don't know about that. He's 123rd. Not, to, I'm sorry, not to be a jerk, but that's you know that's 10th, 11th round. So you do okay. have to make somewhat of it. It's still a late pick, but it's something of an investment. He goes right after Henry Ruggs and right before John Brown and Justin Jefferson. How do you guys feel about that for Mike Williams? Sure, I'm good with it. I I would rather have okay. Brown, but okay, really for me. But I I see it. Uh, one more thing with Harry. Uh, I don't know the rest of the schedule off the top of my head, but he's got four games against Tre'Davious White and Xavier Howard slash Byron Jones. So that's not easy. <laughs> no. Yeah. And they have, I think they play the NFC West, which has Patrick Peterson and uh, yeah. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. German. That's right. I think they play them. Can somebody German. confirm that? Let's go to our next guys for Ben. Um, Ben, Sammy Watkins. Oh, let's lump these two veterans together. Sammy Watkins and Deshaun Jackson. Who do you like better? Yeah, basically, they're just targets, guys. Um, there's been some talk that Jackson could be the number one receiver for Philly. We don't know how healthy he'll be. Same with Watkins. There's some reason to believe that if he's the number – if he's their number two receiver for the Chiefs, I know he wasn't great all last year, but he did end up having a really good playoff run, he's going to crush value outside the 10th round. It's just a question of whether Miko Hardman plays for Jackson. It's a question of how much Jalen Rager plays and how much the tight ends are involved. But if these guys are in roles that it looks like they might be in and they're able to stay healthy, they're both going to be just massive steals for as long as they're healthy. Damn. Play Deshaun Jackson week one in every DFS lineup. <laughs> you playing the Redskins? No. His week ones, I, I was looking this up the other day. So 2016, he went six for 102 on 10 targets. 2017 was bad. 2018, he had five for 146 and two on five targets. And then last year, he had the big game against Washington. Jackson's my favorite guy on Ben's list. Um, Like the way they're talking in Philadelphia right now, and this may not be the way that it ends up, but there's some questions about whether Alshon's going to be ready for the start of the season. And they said... We're specifically talking about Jalen Rager that we're not going to have enough time on the field to teach him multiple positions. So in training camp, he's just going to learn to play behind Deshaun Jackson. So I, I, I think Deshaun Jackson right now probably is the by far and away favorite to be the number one wide receiver on the Eagles week one. Look at I mean, the last day you guys wrap all over DeAndre Swift today, Jalen Rager. I mean, Dave's vacation is not going well for him. <laughs> All right, now look at the last five games, not including week 17 for Nikhil Harry. Arizona, Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, Bills. Good corners. <laughs> Good cornerbacks there. That's that's the nice thing is I um like in, if he has to worry about getting shadowed by anyone, that means he's done that's something true, more yeah. than what he's done Probably. so far. Like nobody's shadowing Nikhil Harry week one. Probably. Okay, Jamie, you've got five guys as well. Delicious burger. Um, we'll start with Hunter Renfro. You already gave us Steven Sims as a late-round guy that you like. Steven Sims in his last four games had 230 yards and four touchdowns. Took advantage of McLaurin missing one of those games. But Hunter Renfro led the team. He missed He missed three games. Led the team in targets inside the 10. 12.3 yards per catch with a 69% catch rate. That was 11th bet. That catch rate was the 11th best among wide receivers with at least 40 catches. So he had a pretty nice rookie season and he did most of it, almost all of it after like the first 
I don't know, six, seven games. He did very little. Uh, so what do you see for Hunter Renfro? Renfro? How would you compare him to, say, Mike Williams? Well, Mike Williams has a much higher ceiling. I, I, I think Renfro will catch more passes, but you know he should not score as much and should definitely not have as many yards if things go right, even for both guys. But I think Renfro's role is defined. Um, you know, we'll see what they do. Keith's mentioned this a, a, a lot, and, and I think it would be great for Ruggs if they put Ruggs inside more. Um, and not necessarily just put him on the outside and put Tyrell on the outside and keep Renfro in the slot. But, um, you know, for what we've seen from Derek Carr, how he sort of morphed from a little bit more of a downfield thrower to more of an inside thrower under Gruden. Um, you know, I think Renfro will, will still be one of the more targeted receivers on this team, um, along with Waller, and, and we'll see with Ruggs. Uh, but I think if you're just looking for some cheap receptions, he's not a bad guy to take late. You know, again, better in, in anything PPR scoring. Um, but he does catch everything. He did that at Clemson too. You know, that's kind of, uh, uh, what his MO is. He's just got great hands and, and he finds a way to get open. Um, we saw some big playability from last year. You know, it was, uh, some broken plays that, that ended up with some, you know, long touchdowns, but, um, it, it wouldn't be surprised if he has one or two of those again this year. So I don't have a problem taking him, uh, again, more PPR than, than non PPR, but I don't have him ranked in my top 60. He's not somebody that I'm like, uh, actually targeting and outside of, you know, drafts that go more than 16 rounds. He's really just more of a deep league target that I think could prove to be better than where he's being selected. Okay. Then let me ask you about your entire list and tell me, cause I think, you know, you were the last guy to give the five players you like. So I think it was went, the last guy. Oh, well that's okay. Sorry. Cause Ben had 30 on his list. So Jamie had to go a little right. deeper. Yeah. Um, how many of these guys are more than that? More than just deep league flyers, Hunter Renfro, Larry Fitzgerald, Denzel Mims, Steven Sims, Antonio Gandy-Golden. I think the only guys I have ranked are Mims, uh, Sims, and Gandy-Golden, uh, but they're all toward the bottom. They're all after 50 for me. So, you know, none that I'm like, uh, oh, I have to have these guys. But I do think, again, if you're talking in this range, um, you know, they're, for me, they're, they're well beyond Lazard and Miller and, and Chenault and, and Shepard and those guys. Uh, um, but you know, I'm, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of Renfro's role should be there. Fitzgerald's role should be there. Um, even with Hopkins and, and Christian Kirk, uh, Sims and Gandy Golden are going to be on the field. At least I expect Sims for sure. Uh, Gandy Golden, I think will be better than Kelvin Harmon. Um, and Mims could be the, the best outside receiver for the Jets and maybe their, their best receiver overall, you know, if Crowder, uh, um, doesn't, you know, sort of dominate targets, but you know, they're all in, in situations where they should be prominent for their offenses. Ben, who's your favorite on Jamie's list? I have the happiest list of the three of us. Yeah, I mean, you kind of do. Uh, <laughs> the deepest list. The deepest list. Ben, Renfro, Fitzgerald, Mims, Sims, Gandy Golden. Who's your favorite? Uh, probably Sims. I agree with, with Jamie leaning it off with him, too. Um, I think he hit on all the good points. End of the season, well, uh, looked really good late in the year. And, and with Haskins, and I think has a very good shot to be their number two target this year. Heath, your fave? Um, I like Sims as well. I need to get him actually into my rankings because I don't think he is right now, and that's my fault. Um, but he'll be in there. Um, and Mims is my favorite, though, just because I do think that there's an opportunity for him to lead the Jets in touchdowns, and he can make some plays downfield. So uh, we should probably mention the rest of the guys that I named that JB wasn't allowed to name, don't you think? <laughs> sure, go for it. <laughs> So I also had Anthony Miller and Chenault and Lazard, who he hit on. Paris Campbell, who I think is really interesting. Josh Reynolds, who's a really late option, could be the third receiver for the Rams. And then whatever you feel about this person, Antonio Brown, 
he should be going a lot earlier than he is. He's trying to get back in the league. There's potential suspension. We don't know if there'll be a suspension for sure. And if he signs with somebody, you know, the, the Seahawks and Ravens have been linked to him. The Bucks have been throughout the offseason because of Brady. I mean, he's he's going to jump up five to seven rounds in ADP right away. Well, I think I think the Bucks said no again today, right? This is like the second time they've said no. Okay. Report or yeah, they've, that they've said they no. keep trying to break up with him, and he's just not accepting that. <laughs> right. They're just not yeah, that him. Brown's a good one though. Um, Dave actually re- replied to in the email and gave me his five favorite. Ready for Dave's? Deshaun Jackson, Steve Sims, Rashad Perryman. Anthony Miller and Jalen Rager. A lot of Steve Sims. A lot of Steve Sims. You know what? That's a big takeaway from today's show. Steve Sims. I was, uh, so Adam, I I feel like I mismanaged our dynasty team a little bit because, um, a I I butchered the roster limits that we were allowed to have for the draft. So I had to trade Keith, uh, Alan Lazard, and Terod Taylor to get some draft room. And then the uh, I had to cut Steve Sims. Uh, you, you'll appreciate it because we ended up with Justin Jefferson, but I had to cut oh. Steve Sims, um, which I wasn't happy about. He's still on the waiver wire, right? No, Mar- Marone Berkson drafted him. Did he? Oh, he drafted him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give you uh, the one that you all forgot. The big sleeper for 2020. Everybody sit down. His name is Paris Campbell. He's not getting enough attention. Gaines, you said it. When did you say him? You all forgot. This is my big sleeper, and he was just mentioned five minutes ago. That's that was fair. in you section 15 through 20, subsection B. Ah, okay. <laughs> I mean, oh. I was surprised that there was someone I hadn't mentioned yet, but uh, unfortunately it was not so. See, I, I, I think one thing that we can take away from this for people that are listening, and, and we're, we're uh, airing this on Wednesday, for people that are drafting in the Scott Fishbowl, these are great receivers in a 22-round draft. Absolutely great receiver. Every single one. Do you guys like Paris Campbell better than Michael Pittman? I do. I like Pittman's upside better because I think he'll score more. But like Paris Campbell is, you know, it he, he may he may touch the ball more, but I just think he's more of a gadget player than he is a upside player. I agree with the Pittman upside comment too. I just think Zach Pascal's actually like good. And they used him a lot last year, and just because they drafted Pittman. I don't necessarily think he won't play. They rotated um, receivers a lot last year. Reich was comfortable rotating. So I actually think what we're going to see from these guys is Hilton on one side on the outside and moving around, but mostly on the outside. And Pittman and Pascal kind of rotating in year one for Pittman. I think he's one of those guys that, when you look at this depth chart, is most hurt by the no offseason. It's going to be hard for him to really crack in right away, whereas Campbell – has been with the team for the whole year and is more of a slot guy, has less competition there. And we know how much Philip Rivers loved Keenan Allen. He could sneak up there in targets, but I agree with, with Jamie. He's going to be a low dot guy. It'd be a high reception profile, but I think he has more, you know, more appeal and more stable of a role, I think. Well, I'm going to buy into the sophomore receiver thing. These guys, they just sort of, they, they do a lot better than they do in their rookie seasons. It, it's been happening a lot. I think it's kind of a recent NFL trend. And, um, you know, DJ Chark, Cortland Sutton, Michael Gallup, what do they all have in common? They were sophomores last year. Uh, so just keep that in mind. The year before, Chris Godwin was the number 26 wide receiver in fantasy. He was 55th in ADP. Kenny Galladay was 21st. He was 54th in ADP. So it's been happening. Uh, let's read some emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. Joe from Indy 
I'm listening to the Scott Fish podcast right now. People keep debating what to do with league fees if the season is canceled. I immediately pitched my league the idea of our $25 buy-in all go to our local toy drive if the season is canceled and everyone immediately bought in that it's better idea that's a better idea than fighting over most points versus most wins etc. I think we can support that one. Keith, do you know that um, after we got off the show, Adam thought that I was giving him $500 to join the league and that, that wasn't going to charity? So he's like, hey, did you send me my money yet? And I said, no, no, it's not going to you. Ridiculous. It's- Just like complete <laughs> lie. Not well, even- that sounds, well, that's, I understand why he was confused because Fantasy Cares raises money for Toys for Tots. And Adam's <laughs> okay. Ben, you were had to pay for Adam to get in the fishbowl? I was not aware of that. No. Yeah. So Adam's been reluctant to do it, and so uh, that we started the show yesterday with uh, Scott saying, or Adam saying that Scott told him that there's a, a spot available. So I said I would make a $500 donation to Fantasy Cares to get if Adam would agree on the spot to say yes, and of mm-hmm. course he did. And but he thought that money was going to him. No. Yeah, after the show, he's like, "Hey, uh, where's my 500 bucks?" Yeah. Said yes. No. False. False. And I <laughs> promised Jamie that I would match. One percent of that. So, what kind of toys am I getting? <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite, Jamie? What's your favorite toy that your kids have that you enjoy actually playing? That my kids have? Yeah. Oh man. Um, you have a bop it because I'm just going to give you some ideas. Bop it is really fun. I mean, my kids are at the point where uh, <laughs> the two year old they love Legos, so the two year old is now graduated from Duplos to Legos, and uh, even though it's not safe, so I don't encourage that. Um, but, uh, no, they're, they're into PlayStation now, you know, so oh, they're really? playing video games. Yeah. That's oh. easily the best toy. games and say it's for the kids and then play it all the time. It's awesome. That's, that's, the, that's the, kids, the kids wake up in the morning and they say, dad, you were playing uh 2k uh, NBA 2k again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Matt. That's from, exactly. That's, that's what my quarantine has been as well. Matt from Chicago. Hey, Ken, Christian, Gino, and Mark. Jets quarterbacks? Jets busts at quarterbacks, yes. Ooh. Uh, just Ken? Ken, Ken O'Brien. O'Brien. Yeah, he wasn't a bust. I was, yeah, I don't say yeah. he was a bust. No, he wasn't. He a wasn't bust. great. He wasn't a first round pick, but he wasn't a bust. I just read the Packers preview in your NFC North series and can't figure out why everyone is so down on Aaron Jones. I've landed him in the fourth round of two 12 team dynasty startup leagues. I feel like I'm the only one still high on Aaron Jones. I understand his touchdowns are not sustainable. Blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, well, he's going to be somewhat controversial. Yeah, startup dynasty, though. Not regular redraft. I'm still fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that, too. He's a very talented player. The reason we're down on him is because in NFC, in the month of June, he's got an ADP of 13th overall. That's crazy. Yeah, I saw someone say, like, say that he was a steal at like 18th in a draft, and I was like, how was that? Yeah, know. it's... It's nothing against Aaron Jones. I think he'll justify a third. I'm fine with in the third um, in redraft, but not in the early second, the one, two turn. In the draft we reviewed earlier this week, Liz Loza from Yahoo Sports took Aaron Jones at 17th overall. That's a redraft league. But, yep. um, you know, if you're if you think he's still going to be double digit touchdowns, which he could, um, you know, that's not a bad spot for him. All right. This is from Lucas from uh, dear Andrew, Tom and Toby. Hmm. Goats. Tom, Andrew, Tom, and Toby. Those are Andy Bernard. Uh, Spider-Man, right? Toby yes, McGuire. Isn't the Andrew the new one? Yep. Okay. No, Andrew's the, la- Andrew's the second one. Tom was the new one. Okay. 
All right, good job. I thought it was The Office. Can I tell you guys that Spider-Man is my least favorite superhero? What? Yeah. Yeah, why? I think it's because I really got into the superhero movies with the Avengers, and every time he shows up in an Avenger movie, it's just kind of to be annoying. He was definitely forced in Civil War. Hmm. That was that was to preview the upcoming new new Spider Man. Yeah. Least favorite superhero. I don't my know. Favorite? No, I'm thinking like who's my least favorite? Uh, they're all, all of them, I'd say. Ant Man. We talked about this earlier. Well, Ant Man's a dumb carrier. I never saw the movie though, but it's just like oh, no, Ant Man is Adam Azer as a superhero. Oh, okay. Well, then go Ant Man. Here's the question. I don't know when to sell some of my bigger stars in Dynasty. I'm a 12 team. I'm in a 12 team PPR Dynasty league. Two running backs, two receivers, two flex spots. Um, I've got Cooper, Hopkins, Landry, Gallup, and Cooks. Should I keep all five in case of injury or bye week, or try to go like combine two for them to upgrade into a better, younger flex player? I have Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery at running back. You always want to trade a year early before a year late. I mean, that's that's the way I think of it. And I'm okay trading guys that are like Hopkins right now. Uh, yes. Julio right now. I'm very okay trading those types of guys. I, Landry for sure. Yeah. The problem I was going to say was like the two guys that I'd really consider trading are kind of their values dinged right now because of injury concerns. Um, like I, I, I might just wait it out at the start of the year and hope one of those guys gets hot and then try to trade them. Who cooks and Landry, Landry right? Yeah, yeah. Landry's questionable for the start of the year. I think still what you could try and do though, is, is maybe package, Julio and Landry or, or Hopkins and Landry and see if you get, you know, three or four players in return that can help. Did he have Julio and Hopkins? No. I didn't he doesn't have Julio. Julio. I was just referencing him. You got to speak, Heath? The, the I said, oh. oh, oh I okay. asked a question. Ben answered the question. Now you can ask <laughs> read another email if you'd like. From Alec. What's up, dudes? This year my league is going to try an additional point for 40-plus yard plays. Does this really move the needle? Are there any particular players to target to take advantage of this? He mentions Tyreek Hill. That's probably going to be the first player that comes to mind. Uh, 40 plus yard plays. Does this move the needle? I bet Ben Gretsch loves this. I absolutely hate it. I actually hate it. Okay, good. It's a it's an ADOT thing. I guess it's a, it's a big play thing. Yeah. These are your kind of guys. Well, speaking of big plays, how do we go the whole show without referencing the birthday boy today? Whose birthday? Oh. I don't know. Dave's? You don't know? It's Not the me. favorite player of our show. Who? It's AJ Brown's birthday today. Man. No way! <laughs> <laughs> oh well, he just lost goodness. a little bit of value. Got another year. Ben doesn't like him as much anymore. He's old now. Yeah, he just he just ticked down a little bit, unfortunately. <laughs> Did you go golfing today for, for AJ Brown's birthday? Um, oh, I decided um, while we were talking to Scott Fish the other day, I really am very against uh, any reward for first downs. I think it's... If you're going to do it in addition to catches, I think it's uh, pretty awful. I think it really puts you're a bigger wrong. gap between the elite players and the rest. That's the point. Yeah, no, that's, that's well, a, if you, if you, terrible. If you watched our Twitch on Tuesday night, you're going to hear Adam and Scott yell about that. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'll tell them. Of course, that hasn't happened yet as we record this, but I'll tell them tonight. I think I think half point for first down is uh, is awful. I think you shouldn't do it. Everybody out there. He, you think there's a there's a take that Adam could have that could get Scott like riled up because he's like the nicest person ever. It would no because like Adam's takes are innocently bad. I think there are some takes that could get Scott riled up, but it would have to be like mean, 
to someone who has less power than Adam? And well, I mean, he got he got a little animated <laughs> yeah, right. about the Transformers comment. Yeah. Oh no, it would have to be about the Vikings. Ben, are you an Avengers guy? I I did not get into it as much. No, I was more. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I, I saw. I was gonna say I saw like some of the Iron Man movies early on, but I never really got into all the all the the whole series. All right, so you suck like Adam. Okay, good. I I think that uh I think that Tony Stark is really annoying. Oh my! God. I think he's overly <laughs> sarcastic. Like they just they need to tone it down with him. It's just like blah, 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 blah. you are the worst. <laughs> I liked the the Iron Man ones. Yeah, I, mean, I like the I like that movie, that. but it's just a little annoying. Just like, there's, all right, I get there's, it. There's three of them. <laughs> there's, there's, I only saw the I saw the first one. I liked it, but I saw a little bit of Avengers. He just he just talks too much. Who like I saw who am I to say that? By the way, what? So your take from the Avengers is Tony Stark is annoying, and it reminds you of Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I really like like one of my guilty pleasure movies is the first Transformers. It is a horrible movie that I will watch every time it's on. It's extremely entertaining. Uh, I think we're done for the day. It was annoying. Shia LaBeouf was annoying. Oh my gosh. Beyond annoying. Yeah. Good call. And and yeah, people are like you too, Adam. All right. So anyway, we're done. What's our top five tomorrow. Shaggy B. That's a great question. Yeah. Nobody knows. What's the top five for Heath and Jamie and the no, top we're talking 10 about for Heath the for top five players we're avoiding? Uh, and we should uh, also well, mention well, the top five movies you hate. <laughs> I'm going to name every player to avoid. <laughs> All right. Top five players we're avoiding. Friday, we have top five patriotic movies plus a fantasy football top five. As are we well. really doing it? Yeah, we're really doing it. Let's just do it. <laughs> oh, shucks. I'm off that show. I'm taking Independence Day. That's my one. Trade Independence Day, not a July Fourth movie. We've already established it's, this on a previous show. It's called <laughs> Independence Day. Yeah, it's falsely named. All right, we'll talk it's to you on Thursday, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, see you later. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.